The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm actually going to start off the show today with a little bit of a warning. We've got this very powerful and potent full moon, uh, partial lunar eclipse uh, starting tomorrow. Actually, it's already started energetically. And there's a sun-moon, uh, sorry, sun-Mars conjunction in Taurus opposing the moon and Saturn in Scorpio. And this has got potential for some very volatile, emotional reactions. Uh, the Sun and Mars together is very fiery, obviously. And Saturn and the Moon in Scorpio is all about our em- deeper inner emotions. And there's going to be a tendency for us to project our unresolved inner stuff, our inner issues, out onto someone else in the world in this opposition. So I'm going to ask all of you listeners to... Stay calm, breathe, and be gentle with yourself and with your loved ones around you over the next two days uh, because there may be some things that you will say or do that you will come to regret later. So uh, just be aware of that and try and stay in a nice, calm, peaceful place over the next two days, and you'll be very happy that you did. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back to the show today Greg Sams, who came on the show a while ago and talked about what was then his new book, Son of God. And I really wanted Greg to come back uh, at this time because I know that one of the key elements that we need to understand in the new energies that are impacting us here on the planet is to do with the consciousness and the energy uh, that is taking place in the transformation of the sun itself. And Greg uh, has great expertise in that area. And I'm, so I'm really looking forward to chatting with Greg about that today. So welcome back to the show, Greg. Hello, Peter. Great to be here. Thank you. So Greg's been a, a change agent uh, throughout his life. And I, I, do, I do want him to tell us a little bit about his background. There's a couple of great stories involved. And we'll begin, actually, I think, Greg, with uh, the very first veggie burger that you actually created. That's correct. Um, (laughs) Well, that came on the heels of 15 years of selling, being the first to sell natural foods in this country, organic brown rice, Japanese products, sesame seeds, things like that. And 
which was great fun, very successful in terms of moving hundreds of tons of stuff in and out of my factory every warehouse every week, but um, but end up not making any money out of it. So the because somebody else can always put a pound of beans in a bag for a little bit less than than I could. Um, and but so so the veggie burger was conceived as a, a way to save the company, come out with a good product that nobody else could copy. And I even came up with the word veggie burger, trademarked it because nobody ever used that before. Um, so I, you know, nobody else could call the product the same thing, and I kept my my recipe secret for it. <laughs> um, but it really took off. It really took off. I designed it as a virtual company. Um, so it was all, you know, no overheads, nothing like that involved. And it was, um, it, it just, just, it was like this black hole that just sucked it in that nobody knew. There was no market for veggie burger or vegetarian foods. People thought I was kind of crazy because I ended up going off on my own. I left the big company and just went off to, to create this product. And, um, you know, it's not the sort of thing you do. There was no market for it, but there was. Nobody knew, and it just it just soared. And then suddenly, people realized there was a market for vegetarian foods. And and a lot of people who had feelings towards vegetarianism came out of the closet and said, "Hey, you know, there's a products out there. There's other people like less." Because I did a Gallup survey as well. Okay, now that uh, was in, that was in England. What year was that? 1982. 1982. Oh, wow. And then you moved, and then you moved from from the food industry into uh, fractals and again uniquely opened a shop dedicated to chaos theory <laughs> that's correct again I know how, how did that work <laughs> well it was fantastic um, I didn't make money out of that one um, but it changed my life in such a way that I would say I made a fantastic personal profit out of doing that because it was just it's what I needed at that time in my life and that led me to writing my first book which was uh, is now being it's soon being re-released. Actually, I've upgraded it. It's now called the Power of Freedom. The state is out of date, and it's really harnessing chaos theory to human affairs because I knew scientists would never do that. It's you know they don't dabble in in human social things, um, but it has you know chaos theory has a great lesson because it shows us how everything in the universe self-organizes and creates really good stable order like that. And, you know, we are unique in organizing things from the top down, saying this is how we want it to be, so we're going to mandate and make it law that you have to live in this type of a house or pay this kind of a wage or whatever it is. And that's, you know, not a very good way to do things, as we see today with governments failing people all over the world. So actually, uh, let's just talk a little bit about the lessons that chaos theory holds for us as humanity. Just give us a little brief insight into that. Well, when you look at all the things we really treasure and value in our lives, whether it's music, the, the incredible variety of music we can listen to, what's been done with the iPod and digital music, or you look at um, cuisine, all the different cuisines you can eat and choose from and select, um, all the variety of you know, mundane, the shoes that we can choose from, they all came out of the chaos. I mean, the whole international airline industry arose from two bicycle mechanics, the Wright brothers, you know, wanting to create a heavy, you know, heavier-than-air flying machine. 
And we just sort of take it for granted, but it's magic how those things develop and evolve from the bottom up into really complex, valuable things in our aspects of our lives. And you look at what the state has done, and, you know, you have increasing crime, more and more police, because, you know, they, they set up situations where, as uh, take the police as an instance, they thrive on crime. The more crime there is, the more police we need. And they go to attack a problem, and they turn it into an institution instead. Um, there's not very much that the state does that we're happy about, unless they're sort of, you know, subsidizing this thing or that thing, but that's all our money, and we're impoverished when you think about the amount of money that goes out of society into the, the state's hands, and then what isn't spent on war and wages and kowtowing to... Um, lobbyists from the pharmaceutical and the farming industry, you know, a little bit gets sprinkled back on us, but it's a, it's a pretty bad deal. So, so how would you like to see uh, the human population, the human people, how would you like to see them move in the future so that it's more aligned with chaos theory? Well, I think a lot of it is just taking responsibility for our own lives and realizing that much as we would like somebody else to take responsibility for you know how we behave in social order that's not working they're doing a they're taking more and more money and doing a worse and worse job at it um, so stop expecting that the state is going to sort out problems we face like pollution prejudice you know disharmony around the world disappearing rainforests air pollution, because they're not. They're, we often find they're the major cause of these things. And when my brother and I were introducing organic, you know, things like organic foods, natural living to the population, our main problem was governments trying to stop us because we were disturbing the status quo. And it was sort of alien stuff, and we were suggesting that there was something wrong with living on a diet of hamburgers milkshakes, Coca-Cola, and French fries. <laughs> um, you know, that was an alien concept, and you got shot down by the authorities for, for suggesting that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so, really, yeah, so, so just, the main thing is to stop expecting governments to sort things out and start taking responsibility, because governments are going to you know, implode of their own you know, uselessness. Yeah, exactly. And and part of the, the chaos theory in, in that store that you created was um, the involvement with fractal art. And fractals are a key component of, of our lives. So as you were involved in that right at the outset, perhaps you could uh, share with our listeners a little bit about your understanding of fractals and their significance. Um, yeah, fractals, it's, they came about. It was Benoit Mandelbrot created fractal geometry and he, he was looking at the world and thinking of geom geometry means measure of the earth and geometry is all about triangles and perfect circles and squares and parallelograms which you don't get in the natural world so he, he created a geometry that could measure and define trees and weather systems and coastlines and clouds natural phenomenon <clears throat> But in the course of it, um, you know, also we came to recognize that 
nature does self-organize and that everything is important. Edward Lorenz came up with the term the butterfly effect when he was simulating a weather system. I think almost everybody has not heard of the butterfly effect. And um, he did that. He, he, he showed that every single thing that happens is important, however trivial you might think it is. You know, little actions by individual people, if you change what they're doing and you look at humanity as a whole, years down the line, where we are will be affected by you know, what you bought for lunch or what movie you went to see. Everything you do changes your life and then everything that how you express that changes other people's lives. It, it's a remarkable thing to recognize, but it's it's very powerful. And that's when you see the harmony of a rainforest, that's a combination of every frog, every tree, every cloud, every raindrop is contributing to that harmony. And if you change any little aspects of that, you get something else. So that's, um, it's just, it's, and it's, opens up areas to study that scientists never looked at before because they'd always be, everything was reductionist, um, looking at ever and ever smaller parts of something. So, so people were ending up choosing their diets according to amino acids and vitamins and minerals, whereas, you know, what you really want is a whole picture. And that's what fractal geometry and chaos theory give us. We've certainly lost that. Uh, way hasn't we through the the way science evolved to look at that reductionist method rather the holistic approach to everything well they're both valid but but they're both they, they need each other we really want to take a look at the whole picture as well as breaking down little bits of it it's it's relevant but the whole picture had been totally missing from science and it, it's very nice very, very i'm very happy that it's getting back in there now absolutely yeah there are some wonderful uh, new scientists on the scene who are beginning to understand this which is great so greg we're coming up to our first break and when we return we're going to talk about the sun and what greg has discovered in terms of the consciousness of the sun and of the stars this is peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation the voice america seventh wave channel Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. 
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just want to remind you to go to my website, www.petertongue.com. All sorts of information there, the last few newsletters with interesting information in for you, and also information about the Sacred Site Tour that will be leading to England and Scotland in the second two weeks of September, concluding on Michaelmas Day, the day of Archangel Michael, quite deliberately on September the 29th. And we're going to be going to some of the most powerful sacred sites in England, and connecting them up to similar sites, some of which are not well known in Scotland. So you'll find all the information for that tour on my website, petertongue.com. Also, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and our Ambassadors of Light class, where we have a class every two weeks to discuss what is happening in the world and what we can do to be part of this amazing transformation that's taking place on the planet. And in that... Um, mode I have with me today Greg Sams and, and Greg I'm now really interested to hear what you have to say about the consciousness of the sun and what is taking place in the sun as we as we proceed you uh, put out a book called Son of God uh, your second book which uh, you actually did an interview with me on a, a while ago and I'd love to uh, to hear what is going on well what is going on in the first place is that the scientists and cosmologists are discovering ever more of the mysteries of the sun and our cosmos. And it's a very very difficult picture for them to, to comprehend because of the attitude that they have towards our universe and its components as all being unconscious, inert matter um, until you get to human beings or higher mammals kind of like us. But... Since I finished writing Son of God, I keep reading about discoveries that just underline what I'm right, what I've written about in the book. Uh, so that's really encouraging. And I think at a certain point, the weight of evidence is going to sort of leave them with no alternative but to recognize that stars and our sun are conscious entities. Um, and that was something that was a understanding which was intuitively hardwired to all civilizations cultures across the globe um, it's 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 the natural response to what is of course the the source of the light of light you know we wouldn't be here without the sun our actual life is the energy of life is recycled sunlight entirely so that was the intuitive mode and it was only the, the marriage of the Catholic Church to the Roman Empire that put a stop to that. And suddenly, um, 
you know, you got burnt if you thought that way. And universities, schools, libraries were destroyed by the early Christian zealots. They were pretty intolerant of any other thought processes. Even, you know, the Cathars, who were a, a variant of, of the Catholic Church, were, were eliminated. So it was a taboo against not just considering the sun as a conscious entity, but against considering anything of a spiritual nature that wasn't as it was laid down in the Bible. So when the, the church set up universities, like Oxford University was a Christian university, you know, the scientists there, they didn't tread on spirituality. They, they were not allowed to think about that sort of thing. Prior scientists did, you know, whether it's Aristotle or Tomaly, um, they thought about the spirit of matter and the world around them. Um, and scientists still today hold on to this Christian taboo against looking into these things, thinking they're being scientific thereby, whereas they're not. They're, they're leaving a huge area um, of our cosmos they they don't look at it. They refuse to look at it because you know they've never done it. Um, it's 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 habit imposed by the church. It's not scientific principles there. So so but they are discovering um, factors such as the magnetic portal NASA discovered three years ago, which connects the Earth to the Sun. As it's a, it's a magnetic portal, the diameter of the Earth that connects every eight minutes to the sun's corona with tons of high-energy particles being passed back and forth between them. They've discovered electromagnetic fields that collects, connect stars to each other in, the in our galaxy. So they're not all just sort of random things. They're connected to each other, and scientists still try and look at it like a billiards table or a pool table where there's a bunch of three-dimensional pool table, but all these balls are just responding to nothing more than gravity and, and scientific principles um, because they're all sort of dead unconscious matter. And that, that leads them, um, that leaves them with some really big mysteries. And to come up to answer, to explain those mysteries, they come up with even more mysterious things like dark matter and dark energy. Well, we'll come back to that one. So, so let's come back to that magnetic portal you just mentioned. So, the energy is arriving on the Earth every eight minutes. Does it arrive like immediately? No, they, it's it's like I mean they've got four satellites that have defined this magnetic portal, and and the NASA say they would never believe this if somebody told them about it a few years beforehand. So, there's one part of this portal comes out of the sun, the other part comes out of the Earth's magnetic field. And they join together every eight minutes and this and pass these charged particles between them, you know, back and forth. Uh, again, it's all invisible stuff. So these science is discovering, you know, is noticing what's going on, but it's like if you could detect radio waves if you didn't know what they were, you wouldn't know that there's words and music being transmitted. I mean, I've got a Gauss meter that detects things, but it doesn't tell you what they are. It just tells you there's a magnetic field here and things are moving. Um, 
But back, to, I just want to go back to this portal, though. So, so every yeah. eight minutes, there's this interaction between the sun and the earth. That's but is correct. there, but is there a time lapse, or is it just happening instantaneously in that moment? It's happening for I don't know. I, I, they didn't mention how many seconds or whether it was going on for a minute or two. Um, they've since discovered. Well, before that and since they they discover other magnetic links, electromagnetic fields that connect the. Um, sun's corona to the earth's fields but they're much they come and they go and they move around um they've just discovered a technique or created a technique that's able to identify those spot them more easily but um it's all kind of very new discovery and there's no no suggestion by them of what it's for they're still trying they're still trying to explain this as sort of random mechanical behavior such as you know we might experience when we belch after a meal there's no meaning to a belch there's no message and it's just happening but it's electromagnetic fields are amazing powerful things and we use them to send information to our smartphones we've used them for a long time to send radio and television we use them for x-rays we use it's all electromagnetic different wavelengths of light and we use it for MRI scans. It's a tremendous way of sending information back and forth. But we have to go to great lengths to create these fields. Now we see them crisscrossing the galaxy between stars. And at some point, even the scientists are going to look at that and say, well, hey, maybe they're actually doing something. Maybe they're communicating with each other through these fields. And they have also, again, within the last couple of years, spotted fields, these electromagnetic fields connecting galaxies to each other in the greater universe. So it's a joined up living universe that we live in. And, and we're a wonderful, beautiful, complex, intelligent part of that life force. But we're not the only consciousness, the only awareness in this universe. So it's interesting, Greg, talking about fractals earlier and the fact that last week I had Maria Wheatley on the show. And she was talking about the electromagnetic fields connecting the standing stones in the standing stone circles, which, again, are communicating with each other in some way. So that consciousness at that level, um, similarly, as you're talking about the, on a much larger scale with the sun and, and the solar system. So it would be great if you could explain to our listeners what, when you talk about the consciousness of the sun, uh, exactly what do you mean by that? I just simply mean it's a... It's, uh living entity. I mean, consciousness, it's an easy thing to bandy about because it's the one thing scientists and mystics agree on is that consciousness is the most mysterious aspect of the human condition, the most difficult one to understand. But we do know it's not a physical thing. Now, our brains, our complex wiring of our brains, they may generate this invisible field of consciousness or they may just be the receiver and the interpreter of it. Um, but it is a some sort of an energy field, and when we die, it leaves our body. Um, the sun has, it is a body of energy fields. I mean, the biggest one on the sun is its corona, which occupies more space than the sun itself. So the scientists say that the corona manages sunspots, coronal mass ejections, coronal filaments, and um, solar flares. They actually say, 
suggest that the corona manages these not predictable activities, and they say the corona is the most mysterious aspect of the sun itself, but it's it just seems clear that that is the mind of our sun, and it's something, and, we, and it's invisible, like our mind, but during a total solar eclipse, we can see it, because it's just a very faint light associated with it coming through space. I'm not going to tell you what I think, because I don't know what's what stars might talk about, what their communication <laughs> might be, whether, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, a, you know, maybe one of our bacteria in our in our gut trying to figure out what we're thinking about. Um, but they're very much a connected part of our being. Um, and it's, and it was, as I say, it was the, the intuitive response was to see the sun as a life force. It, it brings life to us. It creates this wonderful product, light, which we can get into light itself because that's beyond the sun as conscious intelligence. Um, then you mentioned that in your in your blurb on my talk, Akhenaten and Zoroaster, who saw light as the ultimate deity. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll come back to that that one the, in a moment. The like the sun is our local agent for that, and it's the highest form that we can see. And there's obviously a lot of activity going on in the sun right now, and these satellites are being sent to to look at it and investigate it. So. Uh, in, in your uh, in your thinking, your awareness, what, what's going on with the sun right now? Um, well, as a character, it's it's behaving, it's you know manifesting you know, more activity. But then one time you'll read a report that says there, there's less solar activity than expected at the maximums. Another one will predict more solar activity. Um, I think it's fascinating what the solar scientists are picking up on with their satellites, and they are the scientists, and I really wish that they would incorporate consciousness into their thinking pattern about the sun, and, and I think they would be able to make much more sense of the information they're getting, rather than always trying to you know, apply the the pool ball principle to it and and see because that doesn't that doesn't work. It doesn't explain what's going on. Um, so, so they're actually uh, they're actually applying a, a limitation on what is taking place through that old fashioned science. Yeah, and that's why they have to come up with a fix that says eighty five percent of the matter in the universe is undetectable, but to us. But it, it, but it still affects us gravitationally and does that. But we can't see, feel, touch, or have any, 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 any proof whatsoever of it. It's a really strange concept, and that's really just to try and explain away stars as being dead, unconscious balls of gas. Um, even though they recognize that there are seven different layers to this balls of ball of gas all of them performing different functions, some of them rotating around each other at different speeds. It's like quite a complex organism going on there, um, connected to other organisms of the same type. And, uh, and rather than recognize that, they're looking for, I mean, I mean another crazy one is the multiverse. Um, it's the recognition that this universe 
is so unique. So many things had to come together in the right sequence and exactly the right measurements for stars and planets to exist, let alone human beings and trees and waterfalls. Um, that's just so, so incredibly unlikely that they say, well, there must have been a near infinite number of universes for, for one of them to accidentally come out like this. Uh, <laughs> Greg, we're actually, we're actually coming up to our second break, so we'll leave our listeners with that thought as we take this break. It's Peter right. Tone for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you are looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just want to take this opportunity to thank Voice America, uh, my engineer Matt, and my producer Brandy, and the Voice America Network for providing this opportunity for me to share with my guests and therefore with our listeners their personal expertise, their passion, their life mission, um, giving it all to us in one hour of our time on the air together. And I was just chatting with uh, Brandy, my producer, this morning, and the new statistics available for the show and the number of listeners and where people are listening from. And it's quite amazing to look at uh, the different uh, locations around the world that this show is being listened to in 80 different countries and in, in all parts of uh, North America and Europe and Asia. And it's uh, very humbling for me to know that people are interested uh, in the work that we are bringing forward 
uh, in the spiritual realms in awakening conscious co-creation for the people on the planet to get a, a clear insight into what is taking place on the planets. And I have with me today Greg Sams. And uh, Greg, before the break, we were talking about the consciousness of the sun and we mentioned the ancients. And I'd love you to talk a little bit about what the ancients knew, specifically those that were really in the know who's, who looked at light in a perhaps different way than anybody else. Yeah, well, as I was saying, you know, everybody intuitively saw the sun as a life form. Um, and various religions were developed, and some of them went astray, because when you have organized religions, all sorts of weird things can happen. But there were two, two characters, two prophets, who went beyond the sun, and, and they, they saw the sun was divine, but they recognized that it was the light itself was the divinity. And, and they actually described, you know, this, this universal, ever-present God um, of light. And this was Zoroaster who founded Zoroastrianism, also known as uh, Zarathustra. And Akhenaten in Egypt, Pharaoh in the 14th, in the 14th century BC. And they, they saw the light as a self-created God, as something that was the source material for everything that followed, including life. They saw that, that this God was beyond male, beyond female, beyond making a statue of. The Zoroastrians didn't even really have a name. They had a hundred names, and, and their names were things like, like light wisdom and um, cause of all causes and beyond reason and cannot be understood. These are all sort of some of the 101 Zoroastrian names for the, for the light god. Um, and the ethics that came out of this recognition were quite remarkable. And I could sort of you know, tell you more about, well, about them um, because they, they understood it as un non-understandable. And this is something you find with quantum me mechanics today, with the quip that anybody who says they understand quantum mechanics doesn't know what they're talking about because the nature of, you know, of quantum particles, light, photons of light in particular, is just so mysterious as to be, you know, totally outside of our reason. And, um, it's interesting that these two ancient prophets saw that about light. And when we look at quantum physics today, um, we find out a lot of things about light that underline this, the fact that it is, in fact, everywhere, the electromagnetic force. Light is the agent of the electromagnetic force. And we now know that atoms are 99 point whatever percent empty space. It's the electromagnetic force that gives them the appearance of what they are. And if you're deep in the in deep space and all you can see is the light of a distant galaxy that f electromagnetic force of that galaxy is present in every iota of that space so it's it is everywhere it is the source of light um which is the source of life it is within i don't know what part it plays within the stars that produce it to cr to transmute hydrogen into all the other elements of the periodic table, it is now recognized that the electromagnetic force is what shapes 
a ball of interstellar gas into a star. You know, there's gravity, there's other factors involved, but it is the electromagnetic force that is managing those factors and turning this matter into a star, which is then turning matter back into light again. And also, in the course of it, turning hydrogen into all the elements of the periodic table. So it's this really creative, fantastic force, um, of which our sun is our local agent for the light, for the divine light. Um, the Zoroastrians also worship fire, because fire is sunlight being stored in wood and re-released as light again. So that's another agent of the divine, divine light. So it, was, um, it takes it a bit beyond just our sun and what it's doing in sun worship because light is everywhere and in a sense it is everything. And how, how did this uh, knowing, this impact uh, Akhenaten in, in uh, Egypt and the way that he developed the civilization there, what, what, how did he bring this into being? Well, he was quite quite a young man, and he, he was only a pharaoh for 17 years, and he really upset the apple cart, because the Egyptians had, they had quite an organized religion, lots of priests depending upon it for their rites, tending statues, um, officiating at rituals, and Akhenaten said, no, that's all rubbish. You know, well, there's only one God, and, and this God is light, and he took down the other temples. I mean, there weren't, priests weren't killed. He, you know, he was very peaceful from it, but he, he really tried to upset the apple cart. Um, he moved the capital of Egypt. He changed the yard. He insisted that women have higher, more education than men since they were charged with bringing up children. He let some of the some of the Egyptian Empire slip because he didn't want to send troops out to put down rebellions, you know. Um, and when he died of natural causes, we're pretty sure the priests moved back in and they tore down the temples to Aten. They and they reestablished Amun as the chief god. So. Even the Romans didn't know about Akhenaten in their list of Egyptian pharaohs. We didn't discover him until the mid-19th century, even though we knew about his wife Nefertiti and his son Tutankhamun. Um, so, so he was buried with his religion, unfortunately. Um, but Zoroaster founded the Zoroastrian religion, which was the religion of the Persian Empire and is still practiced today. There are still Zoroastrians known as Parsis. Um, Cyrus the Great was a, was a Zoroastrian, and when he, when he conquered Babylon in 539 BC, he created a charter of human rights, the first time that we have any record of this. It's in the British Museum on a clay drum, and in it he guaranteed freedom of religion. Even though, you know, he was Zoroastrian, he said, you can worship what you like. Um, the Jews liked him because they were in, enslaved in Babylon. He released them all. He banned slavery. He said throughout the Persian Empire, which was bigger than the Roman Empire, slavery is outlawed. It's an abomination. It shouldn't exist anywhere in the world. Um, 
His soldiers had to respect the private property of individuals um, when they took over a town. It was you know, no raping, no pillaging. It was a, it was a religion of light. He was inspired by the light, you could say. Um, as are Zoroastrians. They're all always they have Zoroastrianism is summed up in six words, which is good thoughts, good words, good deeds. And I and I've met quite a few Zoroastrians since I wrote my book, in fact. And this is all the, the, the part of their life. And I think this comes from connecting with the divine light in that respect. That might sound far out, but uh, it does make seem to make a lot of sense, and the evidence does seem to support it. So in your own in your own life, your own world, in terms of understanding this connection between the stars and the sun and this fundamental uh, connection to light, how do you live your life connecting to the sun and to this light? Well, I have since I was a kid. Um, well, no, when I was 17, I did my first and only sun gazing for, for many decades. Um, but I had a very intense 15, 20-minute sun gazing. And... Um, and since then, that's possibly that was what propelled me into selling natural foods and chaos theory. And I've always been working to to improve the quality of life and the sustainability of life on this planet. And um, it's been fun doing that, spreading the light, if you like. <laughs> yeah, and spreading the word. <clears throat> Do you make a personal connection with the sun each day? Uh, in England, that's kind of hard to do with the weather. <laughs> But yeah, I, 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 any sunny day, I'll squeeze in some sun gazing at the beginning of the end of the day. And I'm, I'm always very aware of it, but everybody is. You know, whenever it's a sunny day, people feel much better. It lifts our spirits. It makes us feel good, make, puts a smile on our face. Um, and, but nobody stops to think why. But it's a very profound question because it doesn't happen in a hot room with, with the lights on bright. What is it about the sunlight? Why does it make us feel good? Because we have a connection with it. And it's, it's a loving connection because it, it fosters life itself. So, Greg, we're coming up to our final break, which we'll take now. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. 
But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel by tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver. You'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Having me today, Greg Sams. And Greg, I'd like to give you the chance of letting our listeners know how they can connect with your work through your websites and also how they can get hold of your books. Thank you. Well, my website is simply www.gregorysams.com. That's Sams with a single M. Um, The book is Son of God. um, But if you go on the website, there's a link to the book or to, and to Amazon, or if you just Google S-U-N of God, it'll come top of the list. Um, Power of Freedom is the State Out of Date is coming out as a ebook in three months' time, published by Red Wheel Weiser Press, and that'll be out at a bargain price of under $3. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I just sent the signed contract off to the publishers today. so it's Oh, great stuff. And that's, a, that's an upgrade of your first book. It's a major upgrade to my first book. That's right, yeah. Great, and, excellent. Um, so I'm just going to touch back on light because we talked about the ancient religions and quantum and some of the, you know, we know about photosynthesis and all of that. But just on the simplest level uh, is how we use it in our language, you know, what our linguistic body language tells us about light because, you know, Hopefully, some of your listeners will see the light because I've been shedding light on stuff in the in the course of this talk, and um, and we we use terms like in the light of what you've said or in the light of experience when we gain knowledge, um, when somebody's lit up, all lit up, they're fire, you know, they're full, fully charged with knowledge information. We talk about our true love as having met the light of our life, or we follow a guiding light when we're in a good path, or we hide our light under a bushel when we're not. Um, Enlightenment is the peak of spiritual Um, all-knowingness. We emerge from dark times, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. When we're really excited with stuff, we're delighted by it. Intelligent people, we call them bright, um, great ideas are brilliant. So 
Light is always used with intelligence, knowledge, love, inspiration. Our language is telling us what we know intuitively about light. And all the rest of it is just details, really. But, but it's, it's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. It certainly is, and, and as you say, in, in terms of the language that we use, it's important to pay attention to the light language that we actually speak about, isn't it? Yeah, and I'd love to know if this is the case in other languages. And I, I expect that Chinese, French, and you know, all languages probably use light in this way in their language. One of the things uh, I noted in, in, in your bio and, and, and your work is, is comparing the Milky Way galaxy to the human brain. What do you mean by that? Well, it's um, there's a lot of similarity on everything but scale. Uh, we have roughly the same number of neurons in our brain as, as we do have stars in the Milky Way. Um, neurons communicate with each other. Well, they, they emit photons. We're not sure whether they communicate with those photons across the synapses, but we know the cells in our body communicate with photons, plants and bacteria do. But so we've got, and then in the Milky Way, we've got that number of stars. They're all energetic, as are the neurons in our brain, and they are, we now know, connected to each other by electromagnetic fields. So that's it's a sort of wired up organism uh, in the same way that our brain is wired up. We don't really know how our brain works, how, you know, there, there don't seem to be, you know, one little group of neurons telling all the other ones what to do and when to do it. They sort of fire off independently, but in synchrony and harmony with each other to create thought, movement, um, stuff like that. So, and when you look at photos, um, you, you know, they have pictures now of galaxies and brains, I, which which look very similar to each other, the structure, the wiring, the spacing. Um, and that's, I mean, whilst I see stars as conscious entities, um, I would see a galaxy as a much higher entity. And we look at those Hubble deep space images there's just this field of galaxies, and they're all different shapes and sizes and colors, and then within communities as well. There you get clusters of galaxies. They're not just evenly spread out. Um, and those clusters, again, they're connected to each other by electromagnetic, you know, giant electromagnetic fields connecting them. So it's, it's kind of as above, so below uh, way of looking at things. So, so having looked at things on this enormous scale, looking at the galaxies and the consciousness of galaxies and the star systems and the sun, how do you see us as human beings fitting into this picture? Well, we are part of that consciousness. And when we tap into the consciousness field, because I, I think our brains are really channels to receive an all-pervasive consciousness, because we we, know, we we talk about chi and prana, the Christianity has the Holy Spirit, um, Willem Reich had orgone energy, but there does seem to be this universal all-pervasive energy field, which I would suggest is the energy field of consciousness, um, and then we 
tap into that and you can expand your mind and, you know, be super conscious or you can just be focused on nothing but your car and the clothes you wear. Um, and, and, and your salary. So it's, it's, it's very vague, but expansive thing. And I said, so we're part of that field and, um, and in a mystic state, you can expand your consciousness to, to where it might feel, it feels like you are the whole universe at one point. Um, and that's really how I see us connected. We're, we're a manifestation of the light. We are light experiencing its existence as a human being. A uh, 2,000-year-old redwood tree is the light experiencing its existence as that tree. Um, and wherever you go, it is different manifestations of the light force in this world. And um, so that's how it all connects up together for me. And don't. And I was going to say, so, so really it, it comes back to us being in resonance with, aligning with, and being aware of that so that we can actually be part of this, this grand consciousness that is uh, present, ever-present. Very good, yeah. I mean, the more we tune in to the light, and in our case, the main source of light is the sun, but we also have other stars. We've also got planets reflecting the sun's light. Tuning into that is really a way to connect and to put our lives on a harmonious track with the energetic phenomena that is this universe. Well, Greg, we've come to the end of our time, and that's a, that's a great place to finish. I really appreciate your time and your expertise and your courage to be a change agent. Thank you for doing what you do. Okay. Well, thank you for having me on, Peter. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. So my guest next week is Alden Taylor, and he's going to be talking about his new book, I Believe, uh, talking about how your beliefs can either restrict you and keep you pinned down in the old paradigm world or how they can set you free and empower you so i'm looking forward to that show next week i hope you enjoyed today's show with gregory sams have a great week it's peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.